It's great to be in the SEC. Thank you for tuning in to the SEC Recap Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Warren. Today, we're talking our Game of the Week episode, Alabama at Tennessee. I'm joined again by my good friend, Andrew Turner. We're going to preview the matchup, talk about the rivalry, talk about what's going on on both sides of the ball. By the way, you can get all of our content now in one convenient location at secrecap.com. Let's dive in. Number three, Alabama Crimson Tide making their way to Knoxville for their third road trip of the season. The historic third Saturday in October rivalry matchup with red hot number six Tennessee Vols. This is a 2.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff. Alabama, a seven and a half point road favorite over Tennessee. Alabama, number five in the country in scoring offense. Uh, in terms of like total yards, they're number seven. Tennessee, number two in the country in terms of scoring offense, and number one in total yards. Both teams are averaging in the mid-40s in terms of points per game. Alabama, 44.3. Tennessee, 46.8. They're both putting up over 500 yards a game. Uh, now, Alabama's played six games. Tennessee's only played five, so something to keep in mind there. Yeah. Uh, and they both average just under 30 minutes in time of possession. Alabama has 19 passing touchdowns and 13 rushing touchdowns on the season. Tennessee has 13 passing touchdowns and 17 rushing touchdowns on the season. So those numbers are pretty balanced there. Yeah. Tennessee, though, as you said earlier, Hendon Hooker, zero interceptions. Nobody, in fact, no quarterback, even Joe Milton, when he's gotten playtime has thrown an interception to date. Alabama's quarterbacks have thrown five interceptions. Alabama has also lost four fumbles. Tennessee has lost five fumbles. I'm giving an advantage in this case. It's really kind of neutral. I mean, these are two top-tier offenses in college football. But I'm leaning Tennessee just by the numbers, and especially if Bryce Young is limited, I'm definitely leaning Tennessee's offense in this one. What about you? Yeah, a few statistics that I wanted to throw out there that I think is interesting. You touched on it a minute ago, but we're we're uh, 286 yards per game for Brendan Hooker. I mean, that is that's that's doing some damage on the field. And I think if Bryce Young doesn't play, they're going to have to try to keep up with their offense, and uh, it's it's going to be quite the game. Another number I wanted to throw out there: 15, 15 years unbeaten. We have never beaten Saban. Mm. They're 15 and 0. They have uh, quite the streak against us right now. And uh, man, if there was if there was ever an opportunity, it's this one. You know, we are we've got our offense rolling, we've got everything clicking. And in terms of like harnessing their offense, you know, we kind of touched on it before the podcast. I was just like really bummed to read this morning about what happened over the weekend. One of our star safeties just getting into it with somebody i don't know yeah so let's talk about assault, it i mean since man, we're it's just disappointing so i was wondering since you're kind of there like if you had heard anything it did i mean there's just not a lot of details on this right now most people have heard but jalen mccullough arrested for felony assault and in the police report i read the police report the victim zion spencer i think is his name was there in the complex or in that building had gone out to his car 
come back up, walked into the wrong apartment, turned around to leave, was followed, punched, fell down the stairs, went unconscious, woke up, and then police came, investigated, ended up arresting Jalen McCullough. Now, it seems like he, in fact, did this. So, in everything I'm about to say, I don't want it to sound like I'm defending or, like, justifying felony assault. I'm not. It sounded like the dude left and McCullough followed him and punched him or assaulted him or whatever, which you cannot do that. That You're not defending your home at that point. You're the aggressor. You're the assailant. There's a lot of stuff in this story that just, it just seems so weird. It doesn't add up. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I read a similar article, and when we were living in college together, our roommate walked into the wrong apartment, too. So I, I feel uh, like everybody's done it. I know, right? And uh, I looked at the time. I wondered, did this happen at, like, 1 or 2 in the morning? And it looked like it was happening at, like, 2 or 3 in the afternoon during mm-hmm. the NFL game one. It sounds like he said some expletive at him. I don't know what was said. You don't have to be something about it. And he uh, basically clocked him and yeah, he fell all the way back down what seems like a whole flight of stairs. It's just, you just hope that the person's all right in that situation, but you also just want your players to just not be getting involved in stuff like that because it's distraction and you need you need everybody yeah. focused and you also just don't need to be hurting people. Stuff like that, it really holds us back. He's the third UT player to be arrested in the last two months. So, you know, we've definitely struggled with this in the past. And I hope that we can clean it up and get get it figured out. I think especially, too, when when you're doing well and you're playing well and your program and your teammates and possibly you are in the spotlight, like you're in the national media, you're in the yeah. national spotlight, trouble will come looking for you. It just mm-hmm. has a way of doing that. Yep. And you just have to be extra careful to mind your P's and Q's when you're in those situations. And I think that part of that is just learning how to be a part of a program that's achieving at this level. Yeah. Uh, Saban and Alabama have been doing it now for a while, so he knows how to manage his players. He knows how to do that. It's still going to happen. Stuff like this happens everywhere. Nobody needs to pretend that this only happens at Tennessee. I agree. We could go back to the Urban Meyer years at Florida. and This happens everywhere. It's just... At prestigious programs that are winning, it's going to be publicized more. You're going to be in the spotlight. Yeah, we'll we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, I'm curious if he, if he's going to play. Uh, I think that's on everybody's minds, you know. But um, I'd say definitely not. Yeah, uh, there's no the, way they're we, not going to play that him. You can't play him. We probably don't have the full story. That's that's for sure. Yeah. I'm looking back at the history of the matchup. One of the things that I'm noticing just in the history of the rivalry, um, you know, Tennessee from like 95 to 2006 or so was really putting it to Alabama. And then you notice that Tennessee during that time was a top 10 team just consistently until all of a sudden around 2007, uh, we started tipping into the the bottom 
half of the top 25 in our matchup ranking and then we just are no longer a top 10 uh top 25 team at all every time we play alabama but they are number two number one number eight number two number one number one number four number eight number one number one number one and like you mentioned 2016 when was that the last time that we were half decent and that was the last time we were undefeated at this point in the season and it was in knoxville pretty much a similar setup uh alabama was number one one, we were number nine and that game you remember the score in 2016 yeah final score alabama tennessee no, I, I don't remember. 49 to 10 Oof. yeah the next year is 45 to 7 the next year is 58 to 21 if you look back at the last i mean just last year 52 to 24 mm-hmm. so the fact that they're giving us seven seven and a half points that says something. I think that's respect for our team. But if you look back at this this last fifteen years, you know it it it's not impossible to say that they don't just come in and just clean us out if we are uh, not ready for them. Especially if Bryce Young is is somehow playing and we don't have uh, our safety anymore because he's been arrested. It could get ugly. But I'm looking forward to it. A couple thoughts, like from that perspective. First of all, there's no way Jalen McCullough plays. He he has a pending felony charge. They're not going to play him as a head coach, as an athletics program. You cannot play somebody with a pending felony charge because what message yeah. does that send to everybody else? Like, there's there's no way. There's zero chance he's out for the game. As far as Bryce Young, I think Bryce Young will be available for the game now. Will he be playing at 100%? We'll see. We don't know. But it wouldn't take much to re-injure or re-aggravate yeah. his shoulder. So maybe he's playing, but maybe he's playing at like 75%. Maybe he plays the full game. Maybe he doesn't. But if he's available, I think he will play. Uh, we'll probably find out tomorrow or Thursday. I don't know when they talk to the media again, but... It'll probably be Wednesday or Thursday. And then finally on the, like the starting safety issue, man, I we're so thin in the secondary already. I I don't know how much like not having Jalen McCullough really affects what offenses are going to do to us. You know, I think like whether he's in the game or whether there's somebody else back there, I don't think it really changes much of an opponent's game plan, whether to throw on you or not. I don't think Jalen McCullough's presence makes Nick Saban or Bryce Young think twice about throwing deep into our into our backfield. Do you know what I mean? Uh, no, I think I they're going to do it have, like, no matter who's back there. I think he had like 23 tackles this year, you know, which was like fourth on our team. In terms of, yeah, interceptions or pass deflections, stuff like that, I don't know where he is on all that. But, yeah, I agree. He's probably not the biggest loss that we could have had on our defensive uh, front, but just hope that we don't lose anybody else <laughs> for any reason ever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So on that side of the ball, then defense, like Alabama has the number six is number six in the country in scoring defense. Mm. Tennessee is number 23 in the country in scoring defense. Like Tennessee's defense is okay. Like Tennessee's defense is at the point where they can keep their offense in the game and just be good enough to win them games. Alabama has a very, very good defense. I think that's going to be the difference maker. Alabama's defense will slow down Tennessee's offense. We we will not score on every possession like we did, you know, versus LSU. 
it could turn into a shootout. I don't really know, but it seems to me that like Alabama, if they can slow down our offense, they might want to slow down the game. Like they might want to just run the ball and really bleed time off the clock and limit <coughs> the possessions that we do get. So we can never really get that tempo going. I'm expecting them to do that for sure. I would too. It's exactly what I would do. Especially if they if they don't have Bryce Young, but even if they do have Bryce Young and they just don't want him like rolling out and you know risking injury and risk further aggravating his shoulder, that probably is their strategy. Like they they probably lean toward slowing things down, limiting Tennessee's possessions, and having confidence that their offense, no matter what, is good enough to score on our defense, which I think is a better matchup for them. Yeah. I agree with you. It's going to be quite the game. I cannot wait. Uh, the hype in Knoxville for this game is palpable. Like everybody is oh. just buzzing right now. I, I don't really know where you can get tickets. We we're talking about <laughs> Ticketmaster and all these other places, but you're going to be paying 400 to $8,000 for a ticket to this game. Yeah. StubHub was like 360 for double letter nosebleed. Mm. I will not be in attendance, but we'll be cheering them on. What I think this game comes down to, I think it's meaningful possessions, like red zone offense. Tennessee yeah. is very good in red zone offense. They're 100% in red zone scoring this season, 27 out of 27 of that attempts. Or 27 out of 27 <laughs> attempts. Isn't that crazy? And Alabama isn't. Alabama is 85%, 24 of 28, which is still very good. But Tennessee is really good about taking points once they're in the red zone. A few more stats here. Fourth down conversions. This season, Tennessee is 11 of 14 on fourth downs. That's 78.5% compared to Alabama, 3 of 8, which is 37.5%. I mean, fourth down conversions are how you suck the life out of your opponent. So if Tennessee can get this tempo going and get some of those critical like fourth down in opponent territory conversions, that gives you a chance to pull out this massive upset. I agree with you and also uh you know kudos to our special teams last week, you know, when you mm -hmm. pin a team back in the the deep part of their their zone and they have to go 90 yards every time you're giving your defense the best possible chance. We're going to have to do that against Alabama period. Uh, we're going to have to make them go as far as possible. And if we do that, if we can, if we can just keep everything clicking, like it has been, I, I really do think we have a, a great shot. I cannot wait. I'm so I'm so excited for this game. Probably more excited for yeah. this game than I have been in a long time, honestly. I mean, you always look forward to, you know, the opportunity to play Alabama, but like you don't really have this thought that you're going to do anything, but this year just feels a little bit different. I'm hopeful. There there is something a little different in the air. Over the last 15 years since 2007, I've seen the games. We've all watched the games. There's not been a single year that I've even entertained the thought of picking Tennessee to win this game because we're, you know, we've always been like a three touchdown underdog, two yeah. score underdog. Even the stats now, like if you look at the stats now, most of them show that Tennessee is just not quite there to win this game. 
And that's why most people probably aren't picking Tennessee. But in the last 15 years, if there's ever been a year where you could conceivably pick Tennessee to win, it's this year. On Sunday, when I texted y'all, I said that if Alabama opens up as less than a 14-point favorite on the road, that I'm going to pick Tennessee to win. And that spread opened at minus eight. So I'm sticking with it, and I'm picking Tennessee, and I've got my cigars on the way. I'm going to have them with me on Saturday. I'm picking the Vols to light the victory cigars in Nayland Stadium this weekend. I got to call a score. I think if Tennessee's going to win, they got to score more than 30. So I'm going to say final score Tennessee 38, Alabama 34. Nice. I like it. I like it. A uh, little bit about the victory cigars. So 1950, somewhere in the 1950s, Jim Goostry, uh, he was the head of the athletic trainer for Alabama. He began a tradition where he would hand out cigars following a victory over the Vols. Both teams actually continued the tradition up to now, and they kept it secret from the NCAA because of all the tobacco rules across all the campuses. Mm -hmm. Alabama restarted the tradition in 2005, and they self-reported an NCAA, NCAA violation on themselves. And every year since 2007, they knowingly violate the rule and report it in honor of the tradition. Most of all fans will remember when Butch Jones was lighting up the cigars in Neyland Stadium the year after uh, uh, he had been run out of town. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll never forget not that the, picture. Not the I, best I victory cigar it... if you're a Vol fan, but uh, hopefully we can be lighting them up this Saturday. Yeah, I'm not even sure. It might have been tobacco rules, but I think it was actually like the whole NCAA rules against you like know improper that, uh, gifts. That history? Yeah, I did. But I think it, I'm pretty sure it had more to do with like giving athletes and players improper gifts and things uh, like that. I don't know that it was the tobacco necessarily. I think it was more that like it uh, violated NCAA rules against like. Yeah, improper improper gifts or cash. Extra you know, benefits, like, yeah. Yeah, extra benefits, that kind of Makes thing. Makes sense. But it's a great tradition, and they've been rubbing it in our face for the last 15 years. Could you imagine if Tennessee wins on Saturday, that no. whole stadium just lights up with cigar smoke? How awesome would that oh be? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I am going to say that they won't tear the goalpost down, but they would storm the field if they beat Alabama. They're not really a tear the goalpost down band base. Like, I'm not going to say never, but there's been a lot of big games. It just doesn't happen. I think this is a fan base that kind of expects to win and kind of historically feels that they're better than tearing down field goals when you beat Alabama. There are still people alive who remember Tennessee beating Alabama consecutive years. I'm not sure that this is like tear down the goalpost worthy, but it's a big (laughs) win. Storm the field, absolutely. I got to mention this real quick. The The first game in 1901 between the Vols, did you hear, do you know what happened? The first game in, in 1901? 1901? Yeah. Ended early in a uh, 6-6 tie because there was a controversial oh, was that the Was that call. the one? <laughs> oh, really? It was offsides? <laughs> there was an offsides call and all the fans rushed the field and basically like made a big stink out of it and they couldn't get... They couldn't get everybody off the field, so they just like stopped the game. Just ended the game. Yeah. That was and that's how the rivalry began. Six six, all over an offside call. That's pretty great. I mean, I know like the 
the broad overview of the rivalry. Like I know they played it in Birmingham for years because like there was no stadium in Tuscaloosa. So whenever Tennessee would play on the road, it was always in Birmingham. I think Auburn was the same way. Like Auburn didn't have a stadium and Tennessee used to play them in Birmingham too. It is a historic rivalry. It hasn't, it's kind of like Florida, you know, over the last couple decades, it hasn't felt much like a rivalry. Although the Florida one is different. We've gotten that one off our backs this year. I think it's time to get the Alabama one off our back. I think they can do it. They're going to have to play the best game they've ever played, but they've got the talent. They've got all the pieces. I think if Cedric Tillman can come back and they can just play a complete game, take advantage when they need to take advantage, do all the right things. Don't give Alabama anything easy. Don't give up stupid special teams mistakes. No muffed punts. Don't take unnecessary sacks or tackles for loss. Just get the ball out. Be safe with it. No turnovers, no fumbles. They absolutely can win, and I'm going to stick with my pick. Could be wrong. I mean, history's telling me it's the wrong pick, but if there's ever been a year I could pick them, it's this year. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to go Tennessee as well. I'm going to say 34-27. So let's go. There you have it. We're both picking Tennessee to cover and win outright in Knoxville against the Crimson Tide. Thank you so much for listening to the SEC Recap Podcast Game of the Week episode. Don't forget, you can check out all of our content in one place now. Articles, YouTube, podcasts, all on secrecap.com. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. And as always, it's great to be in the SEC.